Well, I kind of like how how some of these it, it just starts in the beginning and it's in the middle of a conversation. Not really a middle of a conversation, but when uh, these intros, it's like it's not prepackaged. Yeah, it's not prepackaged. We're just we're doing it. Well, shit, man. Then let's talk about this, which is uh, most likely episode three, and this is kind of before I even was recorded before I even became a host. It must. Let's see. It's August of twenty. 18 and this must have been recorded in february of 2018 i believe yeah or maybe march so you were you were actually our first guest and now you're a host and so how how crude conversations started was james storley aka tubby and myself wanted to do a podcast together and so crude conversations is eventually what it turned into and it was going to be a monthly podcast and we were going to just interview it was the same concept we were going to interview anybody you know uh alaskans known and unknown or something like that or soon to be known i think that that was the the tagline and so um tubby actually pretty recently moved back to fairbanks where he's from for work and so he's not able to be a host on crude conversations hopefully we'll be able to have him on the on the show when he comes through anchorage which would be great yeah, exactly, and guest host as well, because I, I I had a great time talking with him and you. I mean, well, he has his own podcast, which we should probably give a shout out, Tubby's Man Cave Project, which is uh, if you are into Alaska hip hop, he's your dude. Yeah, for sure, definitely. Um, and so yeah, I had come down from Fairbanks and just once again stepped into your kitchen, and we had the little USB uh, microphone, and I guess you were talking to me about taking over Tailgate Alaska. Yeah, you had just become the director. Of Tailgate Alaska, yep. which is a winter festival in the heart of Thompson Pass. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a 10-day backcountry uh, ski snowboard festival. Snow machines are a big part of it. People that come and camp out for 10 days and they want to, you know, go out into the backcountry and ride the world's best mountains. You know, you know, it's funny, though, about, uh, about, about that podcast and something that I noticed right after doing that as a guest, and I still notice to this day as a host, is that I basically spend... The like following 12 hours after each podcast recording, repeating one thing over and over in my head. Fuck, what did I just say? And that can't go on the internet. <laughs> and you know, it's like you get, you're like, did I really say all that? Did I get it right? And then everyone's going to hear it. But after like 12 hours or the next day, you kind of get comfortable with it. And you're like, whatever, it's going out there. There's just this, I don't know, sense of anxiety for a while. I don't know why. Maybe I'll get comfortable. Maybe I'll get confident. We'll see once people, once the reviews come in. So actually, I have a question for you. Yeah. Had you ever been on a podcast before or spoken on the radio, anything like that? Never. Nothing. So what was your, what was that initial experience like? Well, it was kind of comfortable for me because we did it in your kitchen. Mm -hmm. And so that's a, that's like a, um, that's a comfortable location. Because I know it, you know what I mean? And I've been talking to you about this shit for a long time. So that wasn't, it wasn't too uneasy then. You know, it's kind of when you walk away from it and you think back and you're like, oh, I just said all that. Now that's going out there. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's vulnerability, I guess. Yeah. It's the best, but it, it's still happening, you know? I mean, and maybe that's because, like I said, we haven't actually put these podcasts out there and we're about to. And so we're going to, you know, the, the, um, the judgment of the public is coming. It always is. <laughs> Every time I step outside, judged. 
Well, this this was an intro into the intro of the podcast that was supposed to be the first episode where I was a guest. But as you heard before, things have gotten a little changed up, and here we are now. I'm actually a host, and uh, yeah, hope you like it, and we'll have more coming for you next week. Mike is hot. Mike's hot? Mike's hot. Is it recording? That's what that means, dude. Crude Conversations. Listen more, then you talk. Go to work! This is our first episode of Crude Conversations. I didn't know if it was conversations or conversation until a couple minutes ago. Uh, so basically what we're going to do, I'm pretty stoned, Cody. You want to tell them what the format of this whole show is? Basically what we're going to do is we are going to interview Alaskans. Some known, some soon to be known. If you had to pitch it to somebody. Yeah, yeah. How would, you, I, how would, I would you pitch it? I would say that how I've been pitching it, and I don't think I have my, my elevator speech like down pat just yet, but... The way that I describe it to people is I have a background in snowboarding and a lot of people, I guess for better or for worse, associate me with talking about snowboarding and articles that I write for snowboard magazines. Uh, you are associated with the hip hop scene here. Um, you talk about it, you know a lot about it. And I think that it's, it's interesting to get people, two people like us, which are closer to like the every man and the every woman to sit down with these people and just have a real conversation with them. I think what's also g- going to be good with this particular show is on my podcast I talk about something that, that I know, I feel like I know a lot about. This podcast will be talking with a wide range of people and a lot of the things that, you know, whatever it is that they're about, a lot of them I don't know shit about it. So like I feel like not only is it going to be an entertaining program, but you get to learn some shit. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, obviously the one com- common denominator, everybody's Alaskan. Um, we've got a wide range of guests. And our first guest is uh, Dustin with Tailgate Alaska. And uh, we had a conversation with him. What, uh, what do you think we should tell him about that conversation? So Dustin, he was really just kind of like thrust into this position. You know, he was, he was seeking it out, but it was more, more so his association with Mark Sullivan came out of his want for like knowledge. You know, he wanted a mentor, or th- that's what he found in Mark Sullivan. And everything happened the way it happened, and it got to the point where Mark Sullivan handed Tailgate off to him. Uh, and so here he is. I don't know what are we like three, four weeks away from Tailgate right now. I mean, he's just been he's been hustling his ass off, traveling back and forth between Anchorage, back and forth between Valdez. That's basically his life now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, before that, he was um, he was in Hawaii, like not very happy. Came to Alaska uh, for tailgate just to like do the event, just be a part of the event. And um, yeah, I guess it's all you know, it's all ancient history now. Now. The definition of crude is basically kind of like raw, uncut, unpolished. So that's what this is kind of going to be. These are just raw conversations with people from different walks of life, all from Alaska. In this first episode, we're interviewing a young gentleman by the name of Dustin H. James. 907 is on. 907 is on. I think what's going to be special about this program is we're going to be interviewing people and uh, from different walks of life, sometimes 
Cody might know about this particular person. Sometimes I, I might. And there might be times where I don't know shit. This is this first episode is one of those moments. So <laughs> perfect. So me and Cody came up with a list of people that we wanted to interview initially for this new program, and you were one of the people that came up like right off the top. And uh, so I I've spent the last few days uh, doing a bunch of research and a bunch of homework on tailgate. So from a guy from the outside perspective, not knowing too much, what I gather and correct me. So tailgate's been going on for about ten years. That's right. And Mark Sullivan started this 10 years, what, 2008, right? You got it, yep. And then this will be the first year where you're basically the head dog, right? Yeah, you got it. So how, what kind okay. of pressure is that like? Um, it's crazy pressure, you know what I mean? Because, you know, this is something that's near and dear to my heart. And honestly, Cody does know a little bit about this because I wouldn't even be involved in this if it wasn't for Cody. You know what I mean? So he's kind of been there along my side as this has happened. And this was all unintentional. You know, I showed up five years ago to Thompson Pass where the event is held just as somebody looking to snowboard and I'd heard about this event, right? So the fact that I'm now running it wasn't by design, wasn't planned. Just all these pieces fell into place over time. I was reading, you know, kept just trying to read the history of it. And I thought was what was really cool is that I felt like there was a, like a parallel to the way I feel about me and my hip-hop and the Alaskan hip-hop scene. Reading about mark and just tailgate i'm assuming it's his life right it's his baby so for you to have been the person that this you know from a guy that don't know much what i did gather is this is a big deal to the people that it's a big deal to and for that to be given to you right he must have assumed or just knew that it was in good hands with you huh yeah, I'd say so. You know, um, sure that that's more pressure there too, right? But well, as I'm reading, I was like, you know, you can tell like this, this, you know, this is a big fucking deal, you okay. know. And so, uh, yeah, ahead. so talking about Sullivan writes snowboarding and Sullivan they go hand in hand. I mean, the right. history of snowboarding belongs to Sullivan to a degree, right? You'd agree he's been there since the beginning. You yeah, yeah, he's I mean? definitely one of the one of the key players the uh, after. Well, because he's only in his forties, right? Yep. So I mean, from high school. Yeah, yeah. So so he he does have like uh, I think <clears throat> possibly like second tier ownership for sure because yeah. you had you had those those real OGs. Totally. When, when did he start the magazine? What was two thousand three? Is that what I read? Two thousand three, two thousand four, right in there. Okay. Cause I remember right. I walked. That's into snowboard Adam, magazine. Snowboard yeah. magazine. Yeah. 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 Before that, he was editor in chief of Snowboarder magazine. Okay. And so when I got into snowboarding in high school. This was the magazine I was reading mm-hmm. and, and like learning about snowboarding, right? And he was writing it. And so I remembered Mark Sullivan's name right. from buying the magazine at Fred Meyers or whatever, right, right. Mm-hmm. going home and reading it every month because that's what we did. That's how we found out back in the day mm-hmm. what's going on in the scene, you know? Um, and then the fact that all of a sudden I'm living at this guy's house mm-hmm. and he's got this shelf of all these old magazines. I can sit there, pull it off and be like, hey, why'd you write this article? But hey, that- why'd you... Well, let's talk about how you got into that situation. So you were living in Hawaii, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, you got to go back to like I'm this participant at Tailgate, right? And I go there for the first time because my homie from uh, Fairbanks had told me about it. And I went there and it completely changed my life. If you like snowboarding and you like powder, this is the place to do it, right? And so it had this giant impact on me. So the next year I'm living in Tahoe and I'm a snowboard bum, right? Just living the life, whatever, but nothing's going on. So I'm sitting there after riding one day before my work shift having a beer and I call Cody up. Cody had just started Crude Meg, and I said, look, 
I'm going to tailgate, man. Do you want to, uh, should we do a piece on this? Because he has a background in snowboarding right, with his borderline sure. stuff. For sure. And he was just down. And I was like, sweet, man, because I thought he was going to be like, nah, you know, you don't have any experience in journalism, whatnot. He was down. I was like, okay, we're doing this sweet, right? And at this point, I wasn't even staying at the event. I was staying across the street at Camp One Love, which was the locals' lot, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's, that's on the opposite end of the street, right? Exactly, right? And there's kind of a little weird history, right, with... Not so much with that. There's, there's, some, there's a lot of weird history going on in Thompson Pass that we can get into. Right, but let's just stay focused sure. on uh, on this line right now, right? Because so it's like I've never done anything journalism based, never interviewed anybody, but I've always had a passion for it. And so, um, you know, Cody had given me a list of questions, and when I got there, I walked across the street and introduced myself. Hey, did you get Cody's email? My name's Dustin. I'm supposed to interview you. He's like, Yeah, yeah, I got that. You know, he's checking all these people. I'm like, Cool, I'll find this is the Mark you. Sullivan. Mark Sullivan. Yes, I'm talking to Mark Sullivan at the event at the first day. I'm like, okay, cool, I'll come this find you. This is your first right? time meeting him or speaking Yeah, about first time ever, right? Okay. You know, and I didn't know much about the event or anything. Um, I was just there to snowboard. And so day goes by, day goes by in the event, and I'm kind of nervous to go over there and talk to him. I've never done an interview before. Mm-hmm. So the last day rolls around, I'm like, shit, I got to get over there, right? So I get over there, and, uh, you know, my, my, uh, my ex-girlfriend at the time, Stacy's with me, and she's got the camera. And I find him and I go, hey, Mark, can I, can I get that interview from you? And he's like, you know, I've got this killer headache right now. I can't do it. And he points at Brad Jay, who's like, um, he's an announcer, right? Announces the X Games. He's like, just talk to that guy. He knows about the event. And I'm kind of sitting there and I'm like, shit. I'm really, you know, this is my one chance here. You know, Cody right. sent me on this. So I'm like, look, I really need it to be you. Right, and right. so he's like, he's like, fine, you know, and so we put up the camera, and I asked him the questions right there on the spot that Cody gave me, but they were good questions, and Mark answered them right off the bat, right, like great answers, um, and so I think we had a pretty good piece that turned out from that, right? It was yeah, like, it was a great interview. Uh, there was there were some questions in there that I was like, yeah, keep this one to the end, just just in case it pisses him off. Yeah, it was, it was about uh, there was one about uh, King of the Hill, and um, King of the Hill. Are you familiar with King? Yes. So, yeah. So, yeah. yeah so, uh, World competition from the 90s, a snowboard yeah, competition. Yeah, yeah. Um, you guys brought back a tailgate, right? That's kind of. Kind of a, well, tailgate kind of brought it back. A, a, a because, variation. Uh, yeah, to, to kind of a lesser degree. It was like one-day competition versus... The Bro Bowl, right? Is yeah, up in, up in Bro Bowl, which is right. a zone up in, uh, I read, I read up in Thompson Pass. Nice, man. He, he's learning all about yeah. tailgate oh, man. Thompson Pass. I went down the rabbit hole for yeah, the last yeah. two days. It, it, I, was, it, I was fascinated. I was scared about doing this because I was like, what happens when we have a, a person or a subject that just in my heart of hearts yeah. I'm not fucking interested in, right? Yeah, yeah. But this, I, I was up till three in the morning just reading, watching videos because I wanted to. I was smoking my doobies. It's fucking, it was dope. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. As a guy who's extremely, like, almost overly passionate about the music scene, reading it, you, I could see, like, oh, this is how passionate these guys are about this, right? I read the story about the lady who, uh, her son died in Chile. Yeah. Pam. Yeah. yeah. Like, Aaron. I, yeah, just, I read all the stories, the guys from all over the world that, you know, and everyone's almost got the same testimony, right? Mm-hmm. I came here just kind of on some fucking shit, and my life changed. Now I'm coming every year, right? Just... Seeing it, seeing that on tape and reading, and I was like, man, I'm not even a snowboarder. But I was like, I want to see that. 
you know, I text him, I was like, bro, it's I want real to shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to, I want to see that for my own eyes. You know what I mean? Yep. So that's what happens, right? We get that piece, and so Mark is a magazine guy. He created magazines in college. That's how he got started. Then he got a job. His first magazine on the East Coast was called East Infection. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice. and so I think he ended up having to change it to like EI or something. There was like some negative publicity because it sounded too much like East Infection. I don't know. Mark Sullivan keeps it real. Yeah, that's for yeah. sure. And he's he's always core, dude. Yeah. He's, he's from Alaska? No. Okay. He's from the East Coast. He's been all over at this point. And he basically he came to Alaska the first time for King of the Hill, yep. which is, you know, the <clears throat> event that your family was involved in back mm-hmm. in the day, and that's when he fell in love with it, right? And he talked about that in the interview, the first interview I did. Right. You know what I mean? And so anyway, he was a magazine guy and I'd give him a copy of uh, Crude Mag, maybe the first, maybe the yeah, second. Yeah, no, it was the very first one. Yep. Okay. With the black cover, yeah. And so he, like, at that point, he had a lot of respect for Cody because Cody was, like, getting out there and trying to create a magazine. Right. And Mark had respect for that. And so sure. you guys kind of built up a relationship. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. He wanted to talk to me. Uh, I still have the notes from our first meeting. It's in this this uh, this kind of, like, binder that I have in, nice. in the other room. And it's, uh, uh, it's probably, like... Uh, four pages front and back just like me just listening to him for like I think like an hour and a half writing all this stuff down he was telling me about one of the things that he told me and I I feel like I probably learned this in one of my journalism classes or marketing classes but it took him to explain it to me for me to know that it it really works in practical experience because in college, in my opinion, what you learn is you learn theory, right. and then when you get into the real world, you learn practical experience. And you, you a lot of times you learn that this theory that you learn in college doesn't always work directly in the yeah, real world. Right, right. Anyway, so he was telling me about Ken Block, who is one of the one of the dudes for isn't it DC? Mm-hmm. He likes yeah. He was yeah. like one of the, he might I don't know if he started one of, it. One of, he's one of he the sold founders, it, but he's yeah. like a huge entrepreneur yeah. in action sports. Yeah, basically. yeah. And uh, I just I just know that there's that like <laughs> there's that sequence of him like jumping a fucking Subaru or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's basically doing crazy shit now because he's yeah. rich and that's yeah. what he does. Yeah, and living a life. Yeah. <laughs> evil can evil shit. Yeah. Is yeah. Mark kind of like that? Because I've never met Mark, but just kind of what I've was he at one point kind of a wild a wild man? Like he looks like one of those older guys that. Probably he's, he's probably like rallying. Well, he's, he he describes himself as as an old dirtbag. Right, you know? right. Yeah, was, he's yeah. just he's he's just one of those. So th- like he you is. have you yeah. have you have like um, this this transition that's happened in snowboarding where you have all of these these old heads who were just just fucking dirtbags, right. dude. They were all just dirtbags, and they just snowboarded because they they wanted to snowboard. And then then now you have kind of like these these kids who are literally being manufactured right. by uh, by schools in Vermont, uh, SMS, Stratton Mountain School, um, and they're just being pumped out, and then you can even see it when you see them ride the pipe, when you see them ride, you know, the slopes, you're like, oh, that, that person was manufactured. Yeah, it's less you know? grassroots. Back then, it was like snowboarding was just starting to get into ski resorts, and some ski resorts weren't allowing it, so had this rebellious, right. you know, attitude to it. Right. At Alieska, you had to have a pass to ride. So a snowboarder would go up there, and then they would go down the hill, and they would they would uh, be followed by a ski patrol or somebody who would be judging them to see if they were out of control or not. And then they would be given a pass to ride for the season, and they were allowed to ride at Alieska. Wow, no shit. And so, yeah. And so this is our roots, right? Totally. And <coughs> me and Cody probably fall on this cusp where we like we kind of grew up on the edge of that rebellion, rebellious times of snowboarding, and kind of like. 
have transitioned over to this like acceptance you know the olympics brought it in right and so kids now growing up aren't really growing up in that like you know middle finger to the man type snowboarding atmosphere right but mark sullivan he's a smart businessman right so he, he represents that but he's also like made something for himself and figured it out so he he balances that line very well right but dude he keeps it real in his right. core, and that's something I that's, respect. You right. know what I yeah, mean? And that's sure. important, dude. Authenticity and keeping Absolutely. it real is important, and that's one of the biggest lessons I've taken from him. For sure. Right? Um, so, back to the story, right, of this path of how I got to tailgate. <laughs> yeah. It gets crazy, right? He reaches out and he says, I want to throw this competition bank slalom. I did. Yeah. No, Mark reached out to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Well, yeah, because, yeah, whole clusterfuck of stuff happened but yeah essentially that's what happened yeah as far as my involvement right you guys are probably talking magazine stuff and all everything um and so next thing i know is that i'm coming to tailgate and working with them to just throw a little contest right it's a bank slalom everyone can do it it's a little race super fun so so how do you go about doing that you basically just organize like an event right exactly within the event right right Yeah. yeah within the festival we had a little competition right and so it was my job basically to organize this and I would bring together a group of you know volunteers because didn't have any money Cody would get like the media behind it and he'd get a bunch of prizes and then we had uh, I had a um, kind of a like I guess a mentor that told me how to do it and it's the guys who are like the they're actually the directors of the uh, US ski and snowboard team oh, for okay. the Olympics right so they kind of gave me a little briefing on how you run this mm-hmm. and I said okay I'm just gonna go and do it and we did it, and it was super fun. They set up the first course. Yep, they set the first course for us. And exactly. goalie that we we saw from base camp, and like, all right, that goalie right there, because when you're in when you're in this area of Thompson Pass, it's just gullies, you know. Gotcha. And we were just like, let's do that one. Yeah, I think we can do that one. And they just went up there and rode down it and set poles wow, up and stuff. That's crazy. Yeah. That's fun, crazy. Yeah, it was super fun, right? And along this process, I'm kind of getting to know Mark and hear his story, and I'm, I'm looking up to him a little bit, and I'm right. like, this is a guy with a lot of knowledge. No no real plans on what's going on, right? Um, you know, with, like, future ambition or anything. Just soaking up game. Soaking up game, totally, sure, dude. Sure. I'm just realizing, wow, there's some game to actually soak. Yeah, definitely. Right? So I'm, um, I'm pulling that in, and then, okay, so you can... You can fast forward, dude, and I'm living in Maui, and I'm serving tables. What year is this? This is 2015, I believe. About three years back? Yeah, about three years back, exactly, right? And um, and I'm, I'm just in this point in my life where I'm just like, what the hell am I doing, man? I used to work in international affairs, you know, in public diplomacy, U.S. Department of State, professional, and I got out of that because politics, right? I didn't like it. Right. And so, but I didn't know what to do, right? I'm just kind of following some passions of like snowboarding and I'm learning surfing. That's why I'm in Maui. Nice. Right? And I come back from, I come back from tailgate that year. And when I was at tailgate, Mark was kind of like, you know, you could take this thing over. And this is just like over beers, right? And he's like, I could teach you, right? And I kind of was like, you know, that's when we all piled like eight of us in the motorhome, Cody. Yeah. Right? That time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was crazy, right? Um, and I'm like, huh. That seems kind of cool that the guy who made the magazines I read as a kid wants to Hell teach yeah. me everything. Hell yeah. So I get back to Maui and I'm like, dude, I'm just serving tables in a restaurant and surfing in the day and I don't really feel good about any of this, but I have this opportunity. So I said, fuck it. And I, uh, I flew to his house with like no money in my pocket uh, to learn, basically, and live fuck on that. his couch. Uh, yeah, and so that was a struggle because I remember 
I was using some flight benefits from my ex-girlfriend. We had broken up, but we had arranged, she worked for Delta. Mm -hmm. And we had arranged this thing where like, uh, she was living in my minivan there, or, uh -huh. you know, using it, and I got to keep the flight benefits. So I was using these flight benefits to kind of go around and make meetings for tailgate and make this stuff happen, but I was nice. doing it with, like, no money. In right, the right, hell yeah. Yeah. So I can remember being like, oh, do I have enough change to hop on the subway from the airport to make this meeting, right? It was this right. real struggle, but it was awesome at the same time because Mark's teaching me all this stuff, and, mm -hmm. yeah, you know? Well, what, what, uh... So what? Mark just no longer wants to deal with it. Is that is that kind of where he's at with it, or? Yeah, it's um, you know, well, I guess uh, some real talk. He's got some kids, you know, and they're gonna need to go to college. And tailgate's not a money maker. For sure. Right. For sure. And so, but yeah, it takes a lot of work. Yeah, it yeah. does, man, behind the scenes, and I don't think people realize that. But it mm -hmm. takes a lot of planning and reaching and relationship building. And I think he just felt like it's time to kind of put it into some new hands. Right. Maybe. Sure. And uh, I guess I was the one that stepped up without even really knowing that was my plan, but I stepped up and it's, this transfer is happening. And I think it's cool because the way I look at it is Mark was super connected in snowboarding and he was able to bring the world to Alaska. Mm -hmm. And that's what he did really well, right? Right. And now my goal, I view, is to bring Alaska to the world, to take this thing he's created in this one little area and see if I can reach out to my community that I grew up in you know, a, a snowboard community and, and ski, sure, too, that was so important to me. Can we, like, bring that to the world through this event? Now, let's let's kind of uh, go off of that. So where, so just a backstory. You Where are you from originally? You're from Fairbanks? I'm from Fairbanks. Okay. Yeah, and that's where you're from, right? Yes, sir. Okay, cool. Which, which was because we were talking about you, and I was like, I even started creeping on social media, right? And again, like you said, I was like, man, I've seen him before. You know, when I was looking at pictures of you. But uh, so so you're 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 from how how long did you go to high school in Fairbanks? West Valley. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Two thousand three is when I graduated. Okay. So yeah, you're four four years behind the wall. I would have graduated. I was, <laughs> I was a fucking, I was a heathen. But, um, dang. So I got out right after, dude. I left Fairbanks. You just bounced, right? I bounced to Reno. Do you do you feel obviously it's exciting and it's an honor? Do you ever have moments where you're just like what the fuck am I going to do? Like, as far as the pressure of the shoes that you're filling, you know what I mean? As far as tailgate goes, do you, are there moments where you're laying in bed and you're thinking about just logistics, right? And you're just like, what yeah, the dude. fuck and did I just take on? You know what I mean? Definitely. And I think this is something both of you guys can relate to as probably like entrepreneurial people, you know? And I hate to use that word sometimes because it's like, oh, I got a chip on my shoulder. I'm an entrepreneur. But it's a real world word, you know? Yeah. And you guys probably deal with like, I'm trying to create something. I'm trying to do something, you know? And you wake up in the middle of the night with an idea and you have to write it down in your phone, right? Mm -hmm. or, something. Sure. Or, you, or you sometimes the pressures are so big I wake up and I'm just depressed in the morning. Right. Because I just, I had a bad day or something, right? But Mark kind of taught me about this. And he said, you know, when you have a, a small victory in your little path, you have to really celebrate it and take it, mm -hmm. you know, and be, and be happy with it, right? And I remember when I first got involved with this, I was in Maui and we were talking on the phone. It was before I was first moved there. And I was just super down because I was making all these calls to try and get some sponsors for the event. And nothing was going in. And he could sense it. He sent me this like video of Steve Jobs mm -hmm. talking about entrepreneurship, right? Yeah. 
And and as lame as that is, it like always has stuck with me because he's just like basically, if you want to succeed, you have to go through hell mm-hmm. or something. You know, is what he was right. saying, right? Right. And it's like it's it's not you know. And so as I've been going through this process, I've been trying to learn how to deal with these pressures and how to keep myself balanced. Um, and it's it's not easy. You know, I don't know how do you guys deal with it. Well, we talked about the alternative. Think of think of the alternative. What does that alternative look like? So you can either be doing what you're doing, doing tailgate, or you could not be doing tailgate. What is the, and what would that look like? I'm back in Maui serving tables, exactly. wondering what the hell's up with my right. exactly. And are you happy? No. Exactly. So I mean, that, that right there, when you when you I consider read. the alternative, then the, the answer is easy. Well, and also the, the other alternative is how many of us got friends or ex-girlfriends who have no ambition or passion in life about anything mm-hmm. my since 14 i just knew i love writing right and i got into songwriting and i got into rap music right and it just there's times where i like i've had girlfriends before or just even buddies where i'm like you don't have nothing like there's nothing that just burns inside of you to create and like one thing that i read about mark with the tailgate thing is I, I read about how he bought got himself an Audi mm-hmm. and he wanted that to be, that he thought that was a sign of success and how he realized that now he drives a beat up fucking pickup yeah yeah but it's more about the connections that you make with people right yeah I, I read that and I was like man I can relate to that with the music in 17 years I've not made a fucking dollar mm-hmm. you know what I mean I've spent way more than I've gotten back right but I have these relationships that when I die, I know that there's some value to what I contributed, right? That was kind of what I got at the Mark Sullivan store. I was like, here's a guy who is genuinely driven about something, right? He was a journalist, right? He mm-hmm. started kind of making his own thing. He, Not to compare me to him, but here I am. I love this rap music shit. There is no real rap scene here, so I guess I better just start writing about it and make the fucking rap scene. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of parallels where I was like, man, like that's... Everything that I read kind of boiled back down to that. Here's a guy who is, he's the real deal, and he's about the life, and he doesn't really give a fuck about he fortune and that stuff. And as a guy that's kind of like that with the music, I respected that a lot. Yep, yep. He, you know, you don't you don't get paid doing tailgate, but you get a lot of people coming up and they say, thanks, man, this has changed sure. my life. And I've looked for at sure. him out there, you know, 20 miles in the back country sure. after riding with him and been like, dude, thank you for doing this because this is the for sure. coolest life-changing shit I've ever done and I appreciate that, right? And so now I'm the guy that they're going to be looking to, right? And so, sure. yeah, there is some pressure, but honestly, it's not really about what we do at this event. It's kind of about what the people come and do. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I just make sure that that lot is plowed. The snowboarders can come in, you know, the sponsors, whatever can come in, and I just watch and see what they do. So, for those that are listening that might not have a clue, it's basically there's a lot on a strip, right? Yeah, so this, t- so yeah, this is a 10 day festival, right? And it's, it's called the World Free Ride Festival because it's supposed to be about this free ride, you know, you're riding powder. You know, we're not setting up jumps for snowboarders or skiers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about free riding, and it's in it's in the world's greatest free ride arena. I mean, these are world famous mountains with a lot of history. Mm-hmm. Y- you know, and so um, we we plow out an old airstrip. We uh, we bring in some bathrooms, a dumpster. We put some Wi-Fi. We have a beer garden, right? These general amenities. You know, there's some snow science education there, right? Mm-hmm. And people come in, they camp out, and they wait for the weather to clear because weather does roll in. 
And when the weather clears, they go out there and they get it, dude. Mm -hmm. Right? And there's people from all different levels. And for a long time, this area was kind of reserved for uh, sponsored athletes, right, to go out on heli trips or the rich. We have people with money. Yeah, people with money. Because, you know, for a long time, it was just helicopter access for this, right? There's no chairlifts out in Thompson Pass. Which kind of leads me to another question from by someone who wouldn't know. So, there, uh, there essentially, there's just a helicopter there. And it just flies people out there whenever there's a line to get on this. Is that how not, that works? Not so much, no. Okay, so history, right? Back in the day, <laughs> uh, helicopters were, were, were first starting off, right, in Thompson Pass. And it was like, just show up. You got 25 bucks. They're going to throw you in the helicopter, right? This is back when Jesse Bertner was doing it back in the day, you know? And they would just bump you up to the top of this mountain, no guide, drop you off right from the road, and you'd ride down. Mm -hmm. And it cost you like 25, 50 bucks. There was, there, a, lot of, there was a lot every of time, old, Every uh, time you got on there. Yeah, exactly. Okay. You just pay for a, they call it a bump, right? It's okay. like a ride to the top. Yeah. Yep, and you'd do a heli bump, and they'd do it right from the road, and that's kind of how it went. There was no regulations, because this was all new. You know, this, this using helicopters to get up a mountain was new then. Yeah. Mm. Yep, and so that's that's well, what, that, and that's why you had all those uh, those old Vietnam vets that that were out there. Yeah, and so they yeah. would just because they wanted to fly still, and they would the, the gnarlier the line, the gnarlier the landing, the better for them. That's crazy. So then this is reverberating out through the entire ski and snowboard world. This little place Valdez, you know, in Alaska, is like wow. You can ride shit like this? We had no idea because you get this really wet snow that comes yeah. off the coast and sticks to these super steep mountains. And so people are doing things they never thought possible, right? And so this leads to an explosion in, in big mountain snowboarding and skiing, right? And and kind of the, the, the rest was history. We're, we're 20, 30 years later. Well, I think that you also have to remember uh, the, the technology of snow machines has gotten so much better that it has also opened up the backcountry. So, so I was reading like, about that yesterday. This too. is where the politics come into play. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because you got you got the gas. You which got there the, is some drama, right? That there I is some big drama, drama going on, and I guess you know, it's it's tough because you know tailgate gets attacked a lot, and they're attacking something near and dear to my heart. And uh, for a while, I got really defensive. Um, and would defend it with everything I had. But I'm starting to kind of get the bigger picture now. For those that are listening, what what are the attacks that you're speaking of? Just so they would know, like the, the basically. Well, you have to look at what are the haters saying? Yeah, yeah. You have to look at Tailgate Alaska as a disruptor to the area, right? Because it's it's invited a lot more people there. Tailgate Alaska doesn't promote one type of access. It just promotes access in general. And so you have a bunch of different ways to get in these mountains, right? Sure, you can take the helicopter. And for a long time, the helicopters had rain over this whole area, right? And if you think about it, the way they operated was kind of like, um, I don't know, gang wars? They all have territory, right, that gotcha. they hit, right? And it's all kind of, so they're all fighting over these little territories, and that's how it worked, and that was it, right? But now sleds are coming, okay, because we're using sleds. Um, and the technology has gotten to a point to where, like, you don't have to be, like, that great to get on them and get out there, and they can go far they can go higher. They can go higher. Yeah, you can double. And so over 10 years, that kind of coincided with Tailgate Alaska, this sled, this revolution in sled technologies, you know, snowmobiles, snow machines, right? And so that's making the helicopters having to fly further, mm -hmm. you know? So it's costing them more money. And, you know, for their clients that are coming from all over the world and play, paying high dollar, you know, the stockbrokers, the Wall Street fat cats, 
you know, for them, they're like, their exclusive Alaskan right. experience of untouched powder is changing a little bit because now they're landing, landing, landing on a peak and there's 20, you know, snowmobilers, snow machiners down there doing whatever and that changes things a little bit. Mm -hmm. So... Messes with the ex exclusivity of the whole thing. Yeah. But my philosophy on it is that, like, Heli is sick. You know, it's awesome. You can't... That experience of flying up in a chopper and getting dropped off on a, you know, razor edge, knife edge right. cruise is unbeatable. But honestly... Who can do it? It costs so much money, right? And so people should do it when they can. But unless you're some sponsored athlete on a heli budget, you know, with a budget, or you're rich, you're not going to do it. And why should those mountains be locked down? Right. You know. Right. To five percent of the snowboard and ski community. Mm -hmm. You know. So we need to promote other ways of access. You know. And and so that that's happened not just because of tailgate, but because of you know like technology improvements in sleds but also in touring equipment so there's like the hu human powered movement i guess you could say right and that's like uh you know it's split boarding and skinning so you've got all these tools you can use where you can basically climb up mountains on your own right you know and ride down them and so that's been blowing up in the industry in general and so you're seeing a lot more people come there right but when you're skinning up a mountain and dudes come by on a sled or a snow machine next to you you know there's danger involved with that right mm -hmm. You know, and so that's creating a headache. So all these groups... Could you could you explain the danger? Yeah. So if a, if a sled kind of high marks above you, and a high mark is when the sled um, rips up a mountain on mm -hmm. the side hill, that can set off an avalanche, mm -hmm. right? You know, because sleds do that, right? So all these different groups doing different things. And if that if that snow machiner isn't aware... Right. ...of the, of the guy skinning under him... Right. It can, you know... Cause a major problem. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, and so, and so really now we're at this point to where before there was this anarchy in Thompson Pass because there is no rules and regulations, right? And all these the groups, wild west. It is. It is the wild west, and all these groups could go out there and they could do what they wanted forever, and no one really infringed on the other person's ability to have a good time. Mm -hmm. But we've seen growth in the area, and now well, and in the sport. And in the sport, so exactly. Th so things are uh, much more accessible, and I think that the accessibility. Uh, has come in lieu of the technology. So you have the snow machines, you have the the human powered technology, you have you have all this stuff. And I think that possibly uh, <laughs> helicopters are the ones that are still kind of antiquated. You know, so so they're still expensive. No matter how much, no matter if they knock a hundred dollars off their price, it's still going to be more expensive right. than taking your snow machine right, out there for sure. Yeah. And so so all of that coincides. Um, to the point where accessibility is just is is just so much better than it has been ever. Do you envision yes. do you envision where you see that going? I do. So basically now, you know, these groups we're kind of hitting this conflict, right? And it's 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 you know, tailgate has been viewed as like it's it's all been put under our umbrella apparently, from what I've gathered, right? With like the backlash, you know, all the problems are kind of falling under tailgates, and that's fine, you know. Okay. They need a bad guy. You gotta you gotta have a bad guy, and you know, and tailgate has been involved with bringing a lot of these people, sure. Um, but everyone's wondering what are we gonna do, and there's not really too many solutions. Um, but 
if we keep fighting each other and keep pointing fingers, you're going to have what's a dictatorship. You know, in the past couple months, I've seen some positive movement towards this. Some people have reached out to me and said, hey, we need to start talking to each other and work on this. People that were the ones writing letters against our event, right? And this this recently happened when you went to the, the Valdez uh, yep. meeting up there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Can, yeah. can, you, can you talk about that? Yeah, I, I, I can talk about that. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to have to crack another beer in order to do that, dude. Uh, you know. <laughs> I think there's one right there for you. I brought it for you. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with this Midnight Sun panty peeler, though. <laughs> you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step it up a notch from the Bud Light. Shout out to Mid- Midnight Sun. Yeah. Chew, chew white trash, Cody. <laughs> <laughs> um, and actually, I do want to... I brought you guys a gift, man. Oh, shit. Yeah, so... He said precedence. This is for your... Uh, yes, we're now going to feel obligated. Yeah, sorry for the noise of the bag, but these are some cactuses for your podcast, right? Ah. Oh. And they're supposed to be calming cactuses, so when your guests come, you can put them out, and hopefully, you know, maybe they're nervous to talk to you guys. It'll, uh, it'll, it'll be calm like them down. Between two ferns. Totally, yeah. dude. <laughs> I don't know, man. Um, make sure you water them probably like once a month. I don't know what the rules are on that. You know what? Don't let them die. Or I literally have killed a cactus. Before by accident, I had it right here, and I just I fed it once a month. Don't, but don't I think ever it was have just... kids, man. <laughs> what you just? I thought kids. you just had to put water on them once a month. <laughs> just feed them. Water. <laughs> That's how you raise a kid. Yeah, yeah. Just like a cactus. <laughs> well, you know, we all get second chances, and this is your second chance with the cacti. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, so Thompson Pass, Tailgate, Alaska. Um. Honestly, man, I feel like I'm living in an 80s ski movie right now, except in this case, everyone's the villain, right? <laughs> so, you know, you've everyone's got, the Red Dawn bully. Totally. <laughs> you know, you, you've got like, you've got your old timers, right? They're the ones who are like, back in my day was better. And for them, that's, you know, one of the persons leading the campaign against us, Lisa Wax, you know. Uh, back in the, in the mid to late 90s, the World Extreme Skiing Championships were happening, right? And that was their time. That was their legacy, right? The whole world was looking at Valdez. All the pro athletes were coming there, and it was the shit, right? And that's not the time anymore, but those, some of those people are still around. And they're looking at, these, at, at new people that are coming, and, you know... And they're like, this isn't, we're not controlling this. This isn't us, right? And so they're around and they're kind of like, not in my backyard now, you know, and they're pointing the fingers at us for doing the same shit they were doing when we were their age, mm-hmm. you know? And now you've, you've, got your, you've got your super rich people, right? They're the ones that have like secret cigar rooms in their heli lodge, right? I'm talking book, bookcase shit, right? And so they're just like like, like you pull you pull on a book s- and it opens up yeah, a, okay yeah, yeah that's the that's the rumor this exists at one of the heli lodges right for the super rich you know <laughs> oh, that's crazy. and so these are some of the characters out there you know and then you've got your ego people you know they're the they're, they're the ones who are the heli guides right the jocks right like you know I've worked hard to get here I'm extreme and this belongs to me they're the ones who kind of eyeball you when you pass them on your snowmobile right they're the ones that are doing it. Because they want to make themselves look cool, right? It's it's part of their identity. Right, right. And you, you you know what I mean? They're um. There's they're, that type of person in almost every, like you know, there's like that. It's like that in fucking hip hop. Mm-hmm. It's like that, like you know, the, in the like I'm being in the martial arts. There's like that in the martial arts world. Like there's always. It's a fucking douchebag and everything. Yeah, right? who's it's gonna like, be the man, right? right. I'm the man in yeah. here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you have you have that plain, uh, plain sure. aspect there for sure, especially when you're talking about heli. Right. You know, I mean, what they're doing is pretty crazy, dude. And it's life yeah. or death. 
Right. So it can create this like element where it's like I'm just gnarlier than you. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what Tailgate's done is said, hey, regular people can be gnarly too, mm-hmm. and they can do it on their own. That's kind of the thing time. about Tailgate, right? It's kind of whatever it is you do in your outside life when you're here, everyone's just kind of equal the same. Thompson it's, Pass is the great equalizer, I believe. Uh, Mark told you that for one of your articles, uh, right? Uh, no, no, I just said that. Oh, you just said <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, that was just my line. <laughs> <laughs> I was wrong about you. <laughs> so, you know, you've got all these players, you know, that are that, these kind of like archetypes, these characters in Thompson Pass, right, that remind me of just this, like, 80s ski movie. But then you've got your party animals, and they're actually my favorite, right? They're the guys. That's why I want to go. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> you know, these are the guys that spend... The Lewis Kaufman's. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, read, I, read about, I read about Lewis it. is yeah. the shit, dude. dude. Yeah, he seems yeah. like it. Yeah, he well, ran the party a, scene there. There was one long picture, time, you right? guys. There, somebody posted of him. Oh, it was one of the articles you sent, but I saw a picture of him. I was like, oh yeah, he looks like he's a ratty. Yeah, guy. he's got Alaskan tattoo on his yeah, knuckles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. looks like a ratty guy. Totally, you know. And the, these are the guys. They spent the entirety of their last paycheck on fireworks, right? <laughs> they're, the, they're the ones, when you're out in the backcountry and your sled's on fire, because that happens, mm-hmm. they come out of nowhere and crack a beer and put it out. That happened to oh, Darian Draper. Okay, yeah, yeah, he yeah. got a sled back. You know, They're the ones who are leaving hot tubs out in the middle of the backcountry for anyone to use, right? So when you come back from five hours of ride and you're like, is that an oasis? <laughs> no. That's funny. That's a goddamn hot tub. It's like a backcountry Easter egg, man. There's a bucket next to the creek. You can fill it with water and use it, right? These are the blue-collar people, right? The ones, right. they work five, six days a week, and they're coming down there, and this is their escape, right? They represent the soul of snowboarding. They're not there for media. Right. They're not there um, to prove themselves. They're there to escape. Right, I, I kind of pass like, is important to these people. I kind of feel like those those people who are inevitably going to be younger, like they're just younger than than these old heads that are just kind of butt hurt about what's going on. But they're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place because you have all these old heads that are like, "Oh, tailgate sucks." Meanwhile, they're like, "Oh, it's fun. We like it." But then now they're stuck thinking like, "Oh shit!" Like I respect this person over here without saying any names. Uh, where do I stand now if you're one of these like younger kids like us or the younger dudes like us who are like oh this is just a cool event I I know that I've been stuck in a situation like that many times when I talk about tailgate I'm like I had a good time and Mark's never been anything but completely nice to me and helpful Um, and then I have people who are really close to me being like, oh, flailgate, you know, it's all a bunch of fucking kooks. I'm like, yeah, there, there are some kooks, but that's what happens. Yeah, but that's... They're like that everywhere. Yeah. You know, you go to Arctic Man, there's some fucking weirdos, you know? you. Go, I mean, and, this, and, and that's what makes it fun, you know what I mean? Like, I'm usually that guy, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, as a guy, as a guy that... Tell know, me the kook. The guy that does a <laughs> snowboard, I was, I'm reading, and I'm looking, I'm like... I told the boys, because, you know, like I said, a bunch of my boys are all big into sledding and shit. I was like, man, I want to go and rock out, man. I was, you know, just watching the the, the performers performing. I, I, you know, I, I was even, you know, I was telling you, I was like, man, I got some pretty cool ideas. Like, like the guy at Hoffman, right? Hoffman or Hoffman? Hoffman. Uh, Kaufman. 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 Yeah, yeah. Lewis. You know, it would be dope to just interview these guys, right? Right there on the scene, right? Yeah, like, yeah, I'm yeah. thinking in my mind, like. You could get some dope content just by hanging out. Now that I'm kind of doing the writing stuff, right? The content shit. It'd be dope to just be there firsthand for me to experience it. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Mean, 
take photos and see that talk that's, to people, that's the right way some, to think about get it. some stories get some get an experience out of it you yeah, know? yeah yeah like, yeah yeah you're def- gonna get an experience that's for sure he said that's for sure yeah i mean it's just i mean now i was reading in there that there there might be days that go by when nobody can go out and go totally because how, this how is long, all above how trees. long has it how long do you remember there ever like the longest stretch probably four or five days i'd say is the longest i've seen you know because you get sucker holes <laughs> right. right where where the weather's still there right. but the blue hole pops up right yeah and then everyone people start, rushes people start oh, fucking yeah. running oh, they're hungry. snow machines and shit yeah and it's actually you know you know it's crazy because sometimes it can be like the second you get out there, it's white again. And because this is all above tree line, mm-hmm. when that weather moves in, even if it's not snowing, if it's just cloudy, you can't tell a difference between the snow and the air. And it becomes, what you know, really like, a, you know, snow blind or not snow blind. Like vertigo? Yeah, vertigo, right? Yeah. Like, where am I, right? And it, it's, it's serious. Right. You know, and so that's why we don't get out. So the idea behind tailgate is before tailgate, all these athletes and, and people, skiers and snowers, would come up to Alaska. Mm-hmm. And they were going crazy in their hotel rooms. Because on these down days, you know, they're just waiting and waiting mm-hmm. to ride this epic mm-hmm. terrain. Well, tailgate's supposed to provide something in those downtimes, you know, and it's a community of people hanging out at the base of these mountains, and there's, you know, stupid contests like man games, there's snow safety education, there's music, whatever, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It's biding the time, and we're also connecting these communities, which, let me segue for a second, right? We, in our lot, we're the only ones who are, like, connecting all these different user groups together, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many, how many, uh, how many people went last year, do you know? Last year was a low year yeah. because... Uh, well, we, what was the highest, do you know? Thought, well, it's it's hard to tell because, you know, we have the people who come to our event, but you have the general traffic through the right. pass. There's these other, oh, okay. there's these other uh, parking lots, right? But I'd say on average, on a good year, you see about 500 people come through there, right? Yeah, and on a low year, 200, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah. It, it's it's hard, you know, and so that's the question really is like, you know, people are like, you know, I always ask them when they're, when they're getting pissed off about all these people coming to Thompson Pass. It's like, well, how many people can Thompson Pass hold? And mm-hmm. no one has this number. And so I try and put it into context form, right? You got these ski resorts around the world that are pretty big, right? Snowbird, Whistler, Squaw Valley. Well, right there where we're sitting at the base, these mountains right next to us is like, Squaw Valley, Whistler, Snowbird, all next to each other, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, let me give you an example. When I was working at Squaw Valley, a busy day was 20,000 people. God damn. Okay? And they managed it. Now, I'm not advocating for 20,000 people to come, but let's just look at this in context, okay? If we've got six Squaw Valleys lined up next to each other, just off the road, and we're dealing with three to 500 people... We should be able to handle that, right? And then here's the deal. The road corridor is just the beginning because you can start going back on these glaciers and these rivers with your sleds, with your planes, with your helicopters. And what do you mean by road corridor? The road corridor is a Richardson Highway. It cuts, you know, through Thompson Pass is basically where the highway and the pipeline cuts right. through the Chugach Mountains, okay? And so for a long time, everyone just accessed the mountains there for skiing and snowboarding because it was easy right but now we're getting deep and i'm talking we're going like 40 to 50 miles back on our sleds right a glacier after glacier after glacier you know and we're doing this on our own without guides mm-hmm. okay so there's more skiable terrain 
than all the ski resorts in the world combined. I've looked it That's up. That's crazy. In all the world? In all in the whole world. All the ski resorts combined. Where do you find a fact like that? You get on Google. <laughs> you spend like... Because you get on this thing called Google. You spend like an hour looking at it. And it's One not... One hour? Is, I don't know how long it took, man. But, dude, when people start coming at me with things, it's like I need to have some facts, yeah, right? Yeah, I yeah, need yeah. to know what I'm talking sure. about. So that's what me and Mark do is we sit yeah. down and we say, well, let's look at this, right? You're saying there's too many people there. Well, is there really too many people? Right. You have to have your argument. You have to have the facts to back up your argument. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. And so, so that's what I do. And so that's the reality. And you know what? I'm living out there now, you know, in the spring and seeing it day in and day out. Oh, you're physically living out there? Pretty much. In a, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm spending about, you know, the entire spring. So I'll get out there at the end of February, okay. beginning of March. And I'll stay till you know, basically the end of April, right? And so I'm out in the heart of all of it, day in and day out, seeing it, right? And so this is what they're talking about, right? Too many people, not enough facilities. There's trash. There's danger of all these user groups mixing, right? And you know what? Some of these concerns are true. But these are natural problems of growth, and these are good problems to have. Because tourists bring money, and Valdez needs tourism. Other than the pipeline flowing through there, they depend on tourism. Mm-hmm. You know, and so they should... They... They know that they have a resource there, the greatest mountains in the world for skiing and snowboarding, but I think they're still trying to figure out how to tap into it. Mm -hmm. And there's so many people at battle with each other, you know, the heli companies are warring and stuff that it makes it really hard for all of us to sit down at a table and figure out, hey, how are we going to grow this pie bigger so that we can all, you know, use it? And that's what it's going to take, everyone sitting down together, and I've seen a lot of resistance for that, but I'm seeing some movement in the right direction. Where the next 10 years could take a different path. You know, one other thing that I, I think that people get caught up on and uh, kind of fault tailgate for is the fact that it costs money. And then they compare it to Camp One Love, which costs no money. I mean, can you can you yeah, kind can. of walk through us? I can. Walk through that with us? Yeah, 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 I can. Because they're like, why would I, you know, this is a tough one. Right? Because, well, totally, because... Get them fired up, Cody. Hit them with the hard questions. Keep going. <laughs> well, let me just be honest here. When I first showed up to tailgate, I didn't pay for a ticket. Mm-hmm. I camped in one love. And I rode for, my for... sled across the street, and I used their bathrooms, and I threw my trash in there, and I poached their Wi-Fi. Yeah. And my whole mentality was, I'm an Alaskan. I don't need to pay for this, right? Because we're all going to look for the for the easy way out no matter what, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what people are saying, at least for Alaskans, right? Because right. for people coming from around the world, that does provide them a service, right? Right, for sure. But for Alaskans, dude, they just throw their gear in their right. truck and they have their motorhomes. They don't need deals on motorhome rentals. They don't need help in accessing the mountains because they already know how so they can come, right? Mm-hmm. And this is probably the people that are causing the most controversy are the people that come to the event but stay in the outer lying areas. Right. You know, they're the Alaskans. They're doing the party and they're just there, you know, because tailgate, but also because it's awesome. The mountains are great, right? Right. And so I did that, right, at first. And then I slowly got sucked into this event, started working with Mark and got to see it from the other perspective. And now my biggest hurdle is how do I get people to pay for this? Because in my eyes... You know, I look at at your ticket as a user fee, right? Sometimes when you show up to like a parking lot to access a hiking trail or something, you have to pay money for parking, right? Mm -hmm. But what you're paying for is the maintenance of that trail or the dumpster that's there, right? So if someone wants to go to tailgate, what are they paying and and what does that entail? So 
right now I've got one ticket for sale, one type. It's an all access for 10 days, it's $500. I'm about to unleash a few more different levels of tickets, right? But let's talk what your $500 ticket gets you, right? You show up, you get your deal on your motorhome if you want to rent a motorhome. We, we negotiate with some local people, right? You're going to get some deals on helicopter access if you want to do that, right? Discount with your tailgate ticket. You know, you get to show up to Thompson Pass. We plow out an entire airstrip. You get to park there. We have bathrooms. We have a trash service. We have Wi-Fi. We do a beer garden. The people who drive by and don't come to the event, they just think it's a party. Mm -hmm. But they don't realize that once it goes blue and those mountains are ready to rip, right. everyone's gone. We've talked a lot about uh, for-profit businesses and the pitfalls of advertising. What can money, or when can money start ruining your passion? Well, if you look at it with snowboarding, for me, it was always an escape. I never thought I'd work in it. You know, I never even pictured myself doing it the pieces fell in place now here I'm here you know I might go to the trade show in Colorado in a couple weeks right so this is real and I see all these pressures coming in and anxieties and to make money and when you need to make money do you lose principles do you do you, you know the things that I don't know you you love music but you work in it right see my thing you know you know it's interesting that he brought this up because me and him had a private uh, meeting about a week or two ago at our little coffee spot and I started thinking about like with my situation so I work up on the slope and uh, I've been working up on the slope for about 11 years I'm a pipeline coder so I got a pretty sweet job I get paid well but um I'm gone a lot you know I, I've just I've taken the last three months off just now because a I've got a two-year-old daughter that I want to spend more time with because the older one I was gone on the slope a lot missed a lot yeah. So I, I've stayed home for the last three months, um, and uh, and during those three months, so I have a hip hop podcast, which I would do whenever I had time. I would just you know I'd just do like a little hour long podcast, and they were really fun, and people I'd get a great response. But it was just something that I just did when I just was bored at home, getting high in the garage while the wife and kids are sleeping. Well, I've been home for three or four months, and I decided, well, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this podcast on iTunes and all these other podcatchers, and I'm gonna make this like a weekly thing and so for the last three months I've been doing it every Sunday and uh, I've been rapping for 17 years it's been my life recording like I just same thing with Mark Sullivan and snowboarding I don't I don't make before rap was cool I was making rap music you know I'm 36 I made my first CD when I was 17 years old before that I was making my own mixtapes in my room it's just been I love it right and I'm gonna be 46 I'm still gonna do it yeah and so totally. um it's real. Yeah, and it was one of the things where I, 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 a buddy of mine was like, "Hey, man, you, you know, before I was on the slope, I was a little weed dealer, and I, that was how I was traveling, doing shows, and going down the state side." And a buddy of mine who was a producer was like, "You know, if you join, you go work up north on the slope, you can work for as long as you want. You can take off as long as you want, and you can go do your music thing." So that was initially why I joined uh, the labor union and uh, became a pipeline coder and a skilled labor and. Um, so it afforded me a lot of things, but it also took away a lot of my time. Um, now I'm at the point where I've been home for about three or four months. The wife's got a good job, but you know it's hard to do everything on her, on her own. You know I'm staying home with the two year old while the oldest one's at school, and at night I do my podcasts. And now I'm writing for him, and I, I've got my blog, and I've got a website that a lot of people are now looking at. And now I don't, you know, I actually got a call two days ago, and they're like. 
around the 16th of January is when we're going to start manning up. And I'm already like, I don't think I'm going to go. Like, I don't think I'm going to go. And I even told the wife that yesterday. I was like, I don't think I'm going to go. Because if I go, me and his plans slow down. This momentum that I'm building right now slows down. What, you got to jump off that cliff somehow. I'm about to walk away from $2,100 a week because I want to sit in my fucking garage and talk about rap music and build this thing with him. And I'm not making a fucking dollar. So I think, I think that's mean? kind of where we're all aligning. Because when, when I come into this moment, it's like, wow, all of a sudden I'm here. I've got the magazines on speed dial, right? They're going to answer the calls, you know? The, sure. the, the owners of the heli companies are picking up my calls, right? And so I could totally just blow myself up if I want to, sure. right? Feet, you know, pictures. For sure. But that's not my goal. For sure. In my heart of things, it's like, you know, because I came from tailgate and I saw what it does for people, I'm like, I want to, you know, give. For sure. Right? I want people to experience things, right? And I think that's the kind of mentality How old are you? 32. I think it's one of those things where, and I know it sounds hella cliche, but as you get older, you do realize that you get a lot more from giving. Totally. As man. a rapper. Sullivan's taught me that a lot, right, too. As a rapper, I could just be all about Tubby. I don't, right? And I feel like that's where I, 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 I totally see what Mark Sullivan's talking about, where it's, there's a lot of things that are way more valuable than money. There's a lot of things that are way more valuable than fame. The fact that you know you've impacted a scene and you've helped cultivate a culture, there's not a lot of people that could do that. And there's people who got that money that would give that money to swap to be in your position. You know what I mean? There's people that would die to be in your position, that would die to be in a position where you're you're, a, you're an influential member of your whatever your community yeah, your, your is. Community that you're in, industry, you know I mean? your passion. That right? to yeah. me, you can't put a price tag on that. You know what I mean? I read about this... Um Excuse me. This, uh, uh, I guess, this this Buddhist philosophy a while back, and I, I brought it up before in different conversations, and it, it always seems so applicable, and it really stuck with me. But it's it's the idea that there are ones, twos, and threes in the world. A one is a person that is completely superficial, completely into all the materialistic bullshit. The, the person that's out there, and they want the corner office in the BP building. They, right. they want the suit. They want the, the, the platinum blonde wife. They want all that shit. The $100,000 Audi. They, they, and they want it. They, they all, and, they, and, and potentially they get it, but they're not happy. Those, those motherfuckers are ones. And then there's the twos. And they, they, they're, they're getting it. They're, 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 they, they get it more than the one. And the idea is of reincarnation is, I guess, the, the premise to this whole thing. The foundation and then the two gets it a little bit more. They get it more than the one. And then the three is like nirvana. Like you just you just fucking get it. And I know you're free. It's like freedom, right? Well, it is. It is freedom. But at the same time, like I'm just talking about people that I observe in in life. I don't know what the fuck I am. I hope I'm at least a two. Um, you're but, a negative five. Yeah. <laughs> you suck, Cody. Yeah. But but uh, but you 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 see the people that just like. I don't even, it's like this, this, uh, I don't know, this thing. It's like, they just get it. Like you, you get it. You know, they, they know that they know when to go to a party and to leave that party and to go be with their family. They, they know, you know, it's, it may, that's just one little tiny thing. Yeah. Uh, they, they know that if you have a, uh, if you have a snowboard festival on your hands, 
that it doesn't fucking matter how much money you potentially could make. It's about the lives that you can impact. It's it's the person that um, that has a podcast that's been into hip hop forever that understands that I'm doing this because of how it's going to affect other people. I don't give a fuck about how much money I spend, you know. And I, and I think that that's important. That's sure. much more we, important. We all, we all go up with a rising tide, correct? Right. And if we can help facilitate that, and I think that's what sure. we're all about when it comes to Alaska. Is For me, I was pissed off when I left Alaska to go to college and I saw all these reality shows blow up. And it painted us not how I remembered Alaska. And this was our voice out to the world. And I was like, well, no, we do have a culture. Sure, it's different. Sure, we live under some crazy environment and... But it's not that. And we have a real voice. And I think, like, right now we're seeing a resurgence in Alaskan culture. For sure. For sure. You know, and it's like, this is our time to really present our voice. Fuck the producers who came in and tried to create us and create drama and tell us who we are. We're about to tell you who we are. Mm -hmm. For sure. I feel like, you know, even though there is this big... I don't know, like a Hollywood attraction to Alaska right now. You know, I, I feel like at least when it comes to the music thing, right? I always tell everybody in the scene, like, I think now it's, even though it's 2018, we're just now getting to that point where the common person stateside realizes that we're not just a bunch of igloos and dog and dog sledding. You know what I mean? Like, I remember going stateside and people would ask stupid questions like, do you live in an igloo? Dude, and maybe it, it took you know, the reality shows to right, do that. Maybe right. they were a blessing in disguise because honestly, before right. them, it was just, and that's what I tell a lot igloos of people. and dog sleds. Right, and that's what I tell a lot of people. Like, you know, in a lot of aspects, I hate it, but in a lot of aspects, like now it kind of lets them know like, hey, we're not in the fucking Stone Age over here. You know what I mean? I opened up for Wu-Tang Clan and the RZA, who... If you're into hip-hop, this is a well-read individual. This guy's a smart, brilliant man, studies Buddhism. He asked me, have you ever been in an igloo? If that was like one of the first things he asked Reza? me. Yeah. Asked you if you've ever been We opened up for him in Arizona, right? We, I, oh, I won a competition. I was 21. We got to hang out with Wu-Tang backstage. He's like, oh, so you're from Alaska. He's like, you, you spend a lot of time in igloos? And I'm like, man, you're like one of my heroes, bro. I'm like, I know you're not that dumb. You know what I mean? So either you're that dumb or you're kind of being condescending to me right now. You know what I mean? This is what I'm thinking in my mind. And that bothered me. And I remember thinking, like, the minute I tell you that I'm a rapper from Alaska, you automatically just disqualify me. When it comes back down to this, the original discussion about, you know, money and your passion, I've always, I always tell all these young rappers like this, if I was a psychic and I told you right now that I could see the future, you're never going to get signed. You're never going to blow up. You're never going to be on MTV. Would you continue to go to these studios for $40 an hour? Would you continue to make these records? Would you continue to... Hell you know what I mean? Yeah, and 80% of them, the answer would be no. If you knew that this is never going to amount to nothing, this is just, this is it. This is, you know, and you know, as cliche as it is, right? They say... The journey is better than the destination. And I truly believe, now at 36, I get it, right? Like, you know, it's me thinking when I was 18 years old, making my first flyers and passing them out, or getting the first 10 people to fucking even listen to my CD, or the first time someone told me, hey, yeah. I read your blog. You never forget those moments. Those, those, that is far more important than a fucking check that I'm going to one day spend. Right? That check and that money is not going to be there. Yeah. But that kid that, you know, Bishop Slice, who mm -hmm. is a big rapper, uh, 
13, 14, he gave me his CD as a little boy. Now he's one of the biggest rappers in Alaska. And, you know, and I was one of the first people that, you know, took his CD and told him, like, keep it up. You know what I mean? Didn't know that he was going to continue on. But things like, like, you can't put a price tag on that. You know what I mean? So that's probably what's awesome about all of this is how you don't expect things to come together and they do. And like you right, said, it's about sure. this journey because you're so focused on the destination. It's right. what you're doing in the moment that's really creating what the destination's going to be. I spent 18 to 22. I got to get signed. I got to be the first lap, uh, first rapper from Alaska to get signed. I lived in New York for a year. I lived in Park Slope, Brooklyn. Went to Def Jam office every day, giving my CD to anybody, right? Nobody liked it. Fucking try, you know, I'm young and I know I look back and listen to him, like, oh, that shit was garbage. <laughs> but those moments, that's, you know, at the time I'm bummed out and I'm mad, right? Why isn't nobody validating me, right? And now I look back and I'm like, that was, how many people can say, so, from Fairbanks, Alaska, now you're. Well, that, that gets back to exactly what we were talking about earlier about the alternative. For sure. What would, if you didn't do that, what right. would you have learned from that? Right. You would have been like, oh, I wish I would have brought my my fucking CD, and you would have been you would have been the the high schooler in the letter jacket for sure. You know, being like, oh, oh yeah, I could have been in the NFL, right? So I could have been if I just tried, right. but at that point, I did say try. you did try, and then maybe it wasn't the outcome that you were looking for, but it was an extremely important outcome for because sure. maybe you didn't get signed or anything, right. but you learned something. It opens your eyes to things for sure. You know, and that was that was that point in my life. You know, at that point, I'm 21, 22. I had already been doing this for four or five years. So I was at that point in my life where I'm like, well, do I just keep doing this or do I just stop? You know, and I look back down like, thank God I didn't stop. You know what I mean? And I and now that I'm 36 and I realize I've been doing this for 17 years, I'm excited to see where I'm going to be at 46 because I know me. I know one thing. I can't control a lot of things in my life, but one thing I know is... This is not going to stop, and this is not going to change. Yeah, I'm in the same headspace with Tailgate, right? This is my first year taking it over, and I'm like, man, I might fail. Things aren't going to go as I want them to, but I'm like, I'm building this momentum. Things are going good. I can't wait to see what five years looks like. Fuck yeah. Here, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I can't predict what it's going to be. Right. I'm, you know, successful people, they fail. They failed a lot, right? But they learned from it, and they got back up, and they kept going. For sure, they and fail more than the people that never tried. And then you know, and then, have to fail. Yeah, and yeah. not, only, and not fail. only that, what is what is your personal definition of success? You know, to some, your the success is I'm I'm making a bunch of money doing this. Some people's success is I'm fucking just happy, right? Like me, right? I've spent all my time, my money, all of my energy on this music shit. I would never trade it. You know, I would never trade it because all of my all my all my memories, all my experiences, almost everything in my life, in one way, shape, or form, was a product of me and my music. You know what I mean? So when you die, the only thing you'll take with you are the thoughts in your head, right? So they might as sure. well be good, and you might as well have good memories. For sure. You know, I always, I always uh, think about this, and I, <laughs> I always, Carrie's heard it so many times. Carrie, my wife, has heard this so many times. When I'm like, when I'm sitting, when I'm lying on my fucking deathbed. And the last words that come out of my mouth, they're not gonna be, God, I'm, I'm so fucking glad I bought that truck. <laughs> right. I'm so glad I bought that snow machine. I'm so glad that I had all these material fucking possessions. It's gonna be uh, like, you know what? You've had the same truck since I've known you. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've had the same truck since I was 16 years old. Dude. I know, nice. it's awesome. But yeah. my, my point so is, is that I'm gonna, sit there, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm sitting there in my deathbed 
and I'm going to be happy that I made these relationships. I'm going to be happy that I made a magazine. Um, when I actually got in a conversation with Jesse Bertner, and he had this like, uh, it was He's after a famous pro snowboarder from Alaska has really made it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Je- Jesse Bertner did. Uh, he was he was a part of uh, JB Deuce, which was the borderline movies uh, back in the day with mm-hmm. Jesse Bertner and Jason Borgstead. And um, he branched off and did his own thing called Think Bank. And that, you know... Dude, he's basically someone who's like, if you were in the rap game and you were trying to make it in the in the States, you know, going right. out in the real industry, he made it. He made it. And yeah, he yeah. was an influential person. Okay, he, 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 he innovated an entire facet of snowboarding. He created a brand new facet of snowboarding. So we all as Alaskan snowboarders definitely look up to him. Absolutely. From, from the borderline videos to what he did after that, right? And we're hoping that he comes back to Alaska and gives us some love again. So, Bertner, if you're listening, come back to Alaska. Come to tailgate and ride some pow. <laughs> uh, but what, what he told me, uh, this was a few years back when he came here for a premiere, and we actually went over to... Uh, we went over to a bar and we were all hanging out there and he was like this was like real deep in the conversation he was like you know the way that he looks at think think uh, he's like that's the way you need to look at crude whether you do one issue or two issues or three issues maybe five maybe a hundred whatever but you will still have that one issue you know those issues that you did that you actually followed through with and it created something and I think that that transcends to, say, your podcast, uh, Tailgate, you know, and, and, and to have that and getting back to my, my morbid analogy where you're on your deathbed and you're like, I, I'm glad I fucking did that. 10,000 ideas, one comes to fruition. Yep. That's fine with me because we did it. For sure. My boys are always giving me shit because I've always got, you know, ideas for shows or events and... You know, and they bust my balls. Like, man, you come up with about 20 ideas. You'll follow through about three of them, right? But I'm like, but them three were bangers. You know, I can't can't execute all of them. You know, if I had the money, maybe, but I'm one guy. I've been thinking about this, right? Because I'm constantly reaching out to all these people I know with these... The second a harebrained idea hits me, I hit them up and text them, right? And these people eventually are like, dude, you just keep coming at me with these crazy ideas. And I'm like, I'm probably looking crazy to these people. I'm like, I don't care. I'm a brainstormer or whatever. You know, right. I come up with these things and I'm going to throw all these little, you know, right. bobbers out there and something's going to hit. The shock right? effect. Yeah. Right. Some energy is going to happen. And I've seen it happen. And that's worth it for me to look right. like a crazy kook throwing out all these crazy ideas. Right. Eventually someone's going to bite. And you're going to create something, and it's going to be fucking beautiful. For sure. And that's why I love it. Fuck yeah. Are there any any last things that you want to say? Yeah. Like any, you know, you know in, in the end, shout outs, as us rappers like to do? Oh, shout outs, yeah. I got a shout out to anyone who shows up to Thompson Past Ride. It doesn't matter if you're a beginner, if you're a pro, if you're a heli guide whatever the fact that you got there and you're doing it and my book is awesome and in the end this is just fucking snowboarding and a lot of us put our lives into this place in Thompson Pass and Valdez and we really focus on it but we we got to take it less serious we got to take the backcountry less serious we have to remember that this is our escape this is supposed to be fun and this is what I'm telling myself these days, right. trying to, as I, as I get involved right. in all this crazy right. politics about it. Dealing with the it, business like, aspect of it. Yep. Right. You know, so my message to the world 
is A, you can actually do this. You can come here and do the pinnacle of snowboarding and skiing on your own. That's possible. And B, let's remember it's about fun. You know, let's not take ourselves so serious. And let's use this as a, as, as a moment to, like, breathe life into the rest of our lives. If somebody wants to contact you with anything regarding tailgate, how do they do that? Uh, yeah, you know, you can go to our Facebook, Tailgate Alaska, or Instagram, obviously. You know, I'll do the Facebook Messenger, uh, the Instagram email, Dustin at tailgatealaska.com. You can go to our website, www.tailgatealaska.com. Um, my, my personal cell phone's on there. Please, no telemarketing. No pranks. <laughs> no no dick death pics. threats. Only only pranks and dick pics, please. And if they're giving me dick pics, please let them be limp. <laughs> limp dick pics only. That's that's the new thing in 2018. Yeah, your hard dicks are so last year. <laughs> 907 is on. 907 is on. 907 is on.